0: Um, how many days have y'all been isolated?
1: Day 12, I think.
0: Yeah. I think it's good to keep track of what day we're on. Because <laughs> yeah, every day yeah. feels very fluid right now. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You
1: guys want to hear something neat?
0: It's showtime! Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this.
1: Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy.
0: Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech we just can't get out of our heads. Typically. In addition to those picks, we would discuss a recently released film. However, this week we happen to be in the middle of a global pandemic, so there are no new movies in theaters because all the theaters are closed and everyone has to stay in their homes. So, Lucas and I, um, the co-hosts of this podcast, will introduce ourselves in a moment. Um, We decided that instead of reviewing recently released movies for the next few weeks, um, we're going to start a, a little mini series. Um, Ryan Johnson is one of our favorite directors, and he has sort of a short filmography at the moment, and so we decided to review all of Ryan Johnson's films, and we're starting this week with his debut film, Brick. Um, But before we get started with reviewing Brick and, and talking about Ryan Johnson, let's introduce ourselves, and when we do, let's answer the question, who is your favorite fictional detective?
1: My name is Lucas Wright. I'm on day 12 of my shutdown, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, of my isolation, and my favorite uh, detective is Jane Marple, Miss Marple, um, from Agatha Christie's Miss Marple series.
0: You know, I've never um, taken in any of the Marple universe, Um, Mm.
1: um,
0: but yeah, maybe, maybe in this climate, now's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. You got
1: some time on your hands.
0: Well- I am Sandra Amstutz. I am a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And mine is a young woman I became very obsessed with in college, and that is Veronica Mars. Hmm. Um, yeah. Gotta love her. You know, she's she's the perfect I still haven't like, seen
1: any of that series.
0: Lucas, you would love Veronica
1: I Mars. I know. <laughs> I probably would.
0: Here's what I will say about Veronica Mars, is that the first I mean the the original TV show is some of the I think the best TV ever made and uh, and then afterwards all like the reboots and you know things are less ideal um, you you're addicted to it so you'll still take the them in but um, yeah. the TV show is where it's at um, yeah, it was ahead of its time so all right. Let's talk about what we're feeling this week. Lucas, what are you feeling this week?
1: I This week I am feeling a, um, a 2005 movie that in the middle of this pandemic, I was like, what is a movie that I've been wanting to watch for a long time and that I haven't and that I now have the time to watch? And it's Mr. and Mrs. Smith, um, Doug Liman's film starring Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie um, as competing spies.
0: I can't believe you've never seen it. it
1: no i i I have seen it this was a rewatch yes yes yeah i've been meaning to to rewatch it for a long time but it's one of those movies where i was like i don't know if this film is actually any good or if i just used to really love it right Um, Or and so i was was very nervous and
0: angelina jolie
1: Exactly, exactly. So I was was nervous watching it. I was like, is this like, is this gonna be like really bad? And I'm gonna have to like suffer through this movie that I thought I used to really love. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I started watching it. And I was like, the first 30 minutes of this movie, I think is probably perfect. This is a perfect movie. Um, it does fall apart in the last 30 minutes, um, but it's not a bad movie. This movie is actually really good, and I still really love it. Um, it's so good. I think Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie have the best chemistry. I think it's a very fun story told really well. Um, it's, and it's peak 2005. Man, the costumes in this are just insane. <laughs> and Vince Vaughn and Kerry Washington as the best friends, uh, just excellent casting. I think all around, it's very, very good and very, very funny.
0: I should definitely give that a rewatch. I have been craving um, like action movies that like can help me like escape. like they're so over the yes. top and ridiculous that they're not stressful. you know what I mean?
1: Yes, um, absolutely. This is that.
0: Yeah. Well, that is a great pick. Um, maybe something I will rewatch soon. Uh, this week, I am feeling a British series called Taskmaster. Lucas, are you familiar with Taskmaster?
1: I have never watched it, but it always comes up as, like, a suggestion for me
0: (laughs) to watch. Yeah. I've never done it. Okay. How is it? I'm obsessed with it. I've been obsessed with it for a while now, but this week in particular is especially, I think, a very good week to get into Taskmaster. So, Taskmaster, like I said, it's a British comedy game show, um... It's created by Alex Horn, and it's hosted by Greg Davies, who I'm sure you're familiar with Greg Davies as a fan of British talk shows, as you are. Um, So the premise of Taskmaster is that Greg Davies is the Taskmaster, and he's kind of like a stern but lovable... Um, host of this game show. And and everyone bends to his will is kind of the premise. And he has an assistant Alex Horn who um, makes comedians do tasks uh, to please Greg Davies. And so each series is a different set of five comedians British comedians who are all competing. Um, and by the end of the series one has like won all of Taskmaster and there's a winner every episode. And you might be wondering, like, okay, but, like, what are tasks? Like, that's very vague. And that is very purposeful because the tasks can be anything. Um, they're typically filmed individually, so each contestant doesn't know how the others um, accomplish their tasks. And then the episode has them watching everyone's doing the task, like, in a, in front of a live audience. Um, so that's very funny as well. But the tasks are wide-reaching. Sometimes they're very simple, like slide the furthest distance and you get to watch five different comedians come up with creative ways to make themselves slide very far. Um, or eat the most watermelon. And they'll walk into a room and there's a watermelon and it's they have a minute. Um, so there's some that seem very cut and dry, like whoever does this the fastest or the furthest or the highest. Um, but then there are others that are more creative, like There's one that was, uh, they walked into a room and they found a cake and the task was destroy this cake beautifully. And then it's up to the host to decide who did the most beautiful job of destroying the cake. Um, this show is all about being silly and being creative and I adore it because it's always fresh and new. I laugh so incredibly hard when I watch it, um... And the reason that it's particularly good for this week, one, there are, I think, four or five seasons of it on YouTube, so easy to watch. Um, I found the other seasons other places online. There's eight, eight or nine seasons total. Um, so a good, a good amount of content for you to start binging. But also, the creator of the show, Alex Horn, who is like the head of creating most of these tasks, has started... Um, sort of an initiative called Taskmaster at Home for during this quarantine period, where every day or every other day, kind of depending, he's releasing on YouTube and Twitter a task that anyone can do in their household with their families or by themselves. And they're all tasks that can be done in a backyard or in a home. And he's asking people to like film themselves doing these tasks and then they're, they're going to pick winners to highlight. And it just seems like the exact kind of like communal, fun, creative exercise that like I am such a sucker for. So I highly suggest watching taskmaster start finding it on YouTube. And then if you're getting really bored or you want to feel unified in some way, um, Getting the people in your house and or you're just yourself to start um, participating in these tasks that are be setting that are going to be set out. The one that he said yesterday, I believe, was um, toss a piece of paper into a trash can spectacularly, and so everyone can interpret that as they will. Um, yeah, Lucas, I can't wait for you and Rebecca to to give this a shot and um, follow, become obsessed with it like I am.
1: Oh yeah, it's that. It sounds amazing. I I did just remember like I have seen a couple clips yes. of it on YouTube. Um and it's it was a lot of fun. I, d- I do think this is something that I that w- we're definitely going to watch and I would love to try. <laughs> yes,
0: you should. It's the perfect kind of show to like watch a clip of on YouTube because it's by design segmented into clips. Um, it's not the kind of thing where if you ha- you want to see if you're interested, you have to watch a whole episode or you have to start from the beginning. There's no like narrative. It's just, you just watch wherever you want. Um, and there's a lot of comedians you'll probably recognize, especially in season four. If you are a fan of Bake Off, um, there are a lot of, there's some Bake Off hosts on that season. So that might be a good place to get started. Um, okay, so now that we've talked about what we're feeling, let's move into our review of Brick and the beginning of our Ryan Johnson series. Yes. I know that you and I are both Ryan Johnson fans. Um, mm-hmm. How? What? What was your introduction? Intru- introduction? What was your
1: my introduction to, <laughs> to, to Ryan Johnson? Um, you could also was, talk about your introduction
0: to Ryan Johnson. If if, if yeah that's
1: yeah okay. yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I might get around to <laughs> yeah. that. Um, it is Brick. Um, this is yeah. This is the first thing of his that I that I'd seen. Um, so this movie came out in two thousand five. Yes. Um, and I saw it. Around then, um, I, I don't think I saw it in theaters, but I think I saw it like quickly after it came out, um, probably on DVD or something like that. I was in high school when this movie came out. And so to me, I, this felt very high school. This felt very like real and, and interesting to me. And so Ryan Johnson, I never like thought of him as a filmmaker. I was just like, he made a movie. Um, and I didn't come back around to like watching the rest of his stuff until Probably 2012, like twelve. Like once, Lo- once Looper came out, um, that's when I really got back into. Or I guess I missed. I missed one movie, The Brothers Bloom, sure. but <laughs> actually going back, and I think that's when I, um, that's when I saw The Brothers Bloom and Looper, and actually started paying attention to Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker, as opposed to just this one movie.
0: Right. Um, I'm kind of similar. So I saw Brick when I was in college. Um, and I I couldn't tell you what year, but. It was college was when I started getting really interested in film and filmmakers. So that was when I was like kind of like reading film websites and learning about indie films that sounded really interesting. And so that's how I heard of Brick. And um, I was a big Joseph Gordon-Levitt fan because guess what else came out of college? 500 Days of Summer, (laughs) which was a movie I was too obsessed with. Let's be real. I still love it. But man, I. Yeah. Yeah. I, I projected yeah. the wrong emotions onto that movie. Um, Didn't we all? Yes, yes, yeah. That was that was a common theme in like our A C <laughs> circle. Um, <laughs> so I was a big Joseph Gordon-Levitt fan, and I I think I'd heard about this movie Brick that he was in, so I watched it, and it was unlike anything I'd ever seen at that point. I, I mean, of course, I had seen things like The Maltese Falcon and and detective films, but nothing that had this that had the setting and the style that brick had um paired with that kind of language and so i was really like blown away and then uh, when looper came out and again it was no- another joseph gordon levitt movie um uh-huh. i remember thinking like oh this is made by that guy that made brick i love brick brick was so cool this is this movie looks cool and i also liked looper a lot um and then when he was announced as the director for the last jedi um, or for at the at, at the time just one of the star wars movies i couldn't have been more excited i just had so much trust in him at that point as a creative like innovative filmmaker i'd also heard him on several podcast episodes like the slash filmcast and had really grown mm-hmm. to like, like him like his personality as well so that was kind of my history leading up to where we are with like *Knives Out* coming out this past year. Um, just a major fan of him as a person and him as a filmmaker. Um, so, Brick, you obviously Lucas are a big like fan of detective movies. So, how does *Brick* big fan. Um, <clears throat> line up in your list of movies, detective movies that you love?
1: Um, so, not having seen it. I, so I watched it like yesterday, um, not having seen it since um, it first came out. And so I was curious, like, where does it line up? Because I always ranked it pretty high um, just because I think it was so unique. It wasn't like anything I'd ever seen before yes. at the time. Um, and I think one of the things that the, I mean, Ryan Johnson talked about this a lot, you know, with, with this movie is he's obsessed with, you know, Dashiell Hammett's novels, um, which he wrote like. Uh, The Maltese Falcon and Red Harvest and, like, a bunch of books that were then turned into movies back in, like, the 30s and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of, like, um, Humphrey Bogart movies and stuff like that are based on these novels. And so that's where a lot of this noir um, film came from, these books. And so him wanting to make a movie like that but not have it be too close to, like... He didn't want it to be a knockoff of those movies. He wanted to really make it real and feel real um and so setting it in high school he i think worked really well for something like this and so i think at the time i was like this is one of the coolest movies i've ever seen and i think now rewatching it i'm like this is a, this is a very cool concept but none of these people are as cool as they think they are mm. <laughs> and so and so i think as an adult you get to see like Like it's a good portrayal of how people feel in high school. Like everyone feels important and everybody feels very um, like everything, like the stakes are higher than they actually are. And yet your mom is just hanging around, you know, pouring you a cup of milk and stuff like that like it's not like like so so i, I just watching it i identified more with the adults in oh, like this I ridiculous world
0: yeah i see what you mean i thought you meant that like the yeah. movie isn't as cool as it thought it was but like you're saying the characters oh, no, 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 no. themselves i get the it.
1: characters and so and so i think that's something that I missed the first time through. Is like I was like, yeah, everyone's cool, and in and this I was just like, no, like you can also laugh at these people as well. As, as I mean, they they are like doing cool stuff and saying cool stuff, and like right. the dialogue is just ridiculous. Um, but it is very very funny too because you have this um, over the top um kind of dialogue and storyline with these high school students and so that 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 is something that the second time through i was like this is fun i really really enjoy this and it's a completely different uh interpretation than i had the first time through i think the plot itself is out of control i think there's so much going on here i don't know if it actually makes sense um to someone who's like never seen it before um but i think because i remembered a lot of it it helped kind of keep it together but there's so many characters with so many weird names and stuff like that (laughs) that um I I mean if it it feels like very like 1930s um noir movie. So, I think I think it I think it succeeds in all the points it's trying to succeed on. I just don't know if this is a um an actual great movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think this movie is just it obviously has its flaws. Um but mm-hmm. it's just so special that like Yeah. I love <laughs> it so much anyway. You know what I mean? Um I think yeah. we also need to like really address the fact that, that this movie was made for, like, very, very little money. Um, yeah. When I was in college...
1: $450,000.
0: Like, just all, for, almost for nothing. When I was in college... Yeah. I think I probably understood that it was a low-budget movie, but now, mm-hmm. as, like, more of an adult who watches a lot of movies, so many things stand out to me to, like, that I can understand why it's so low-budget now. Um mm-hmm. There are, like... In most movies, when I go, I'm not a filmmaker, so, like, there are lots of camera tricks and CGI and special effects and stunts that I have no idea how they pulled them off. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. Not just really no clue. And this movie, I'm sh- I definitely don't know how every single thing was pulled off, but there is a lot that as, as I'm watching, I can be like, Oh, they did this. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, this is what mm-hmm. they probably did with the camera <laughs> here to like make this work. Yeah. the But the genius of the movie is that even though I can figure that out, it's done to, it's done very well. It's done to a great effect in my opinion. Um, Mm -hmm. Like everything is, it's not, I don't think, I don't think the tricks are overused. And I think they're done to great effect that like, if you don't have a budget that like that most movies have, this movie is like making the most of what it can do and competing, I think, on the level of what a lot of high budget movies are competing on. Totally. Yeah.
1: Totally. And I think, I mean, we have to address... If he, he made it for four hundred fifty thousand dollars that he basically borrowed from his like friends and family. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm pretty sure he has like a rich family. Sure. Like he, he 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 grew up or I guess middle school and high school or whatever, um in in San Clemente, California, where this was shot. So like a very nice area, like suburb. Um his his parents own like a cre- a construction company and so like he borrowed a bunch of money to make this happen um and just kind of did it which i think is incredible um and he and like this isn't something that he like wrote quickly and then like put out like he wrote this right after he graduated um, from USC in 2000 or not 2000 in like 1997 and then couldn't get it made like I think he pitched it everywhere and nobody wanted to make this weird high school <laughs> detective movie um, which makes sense I probably wouldn't either at the time um, and for like seven years he tried to pitch it and couldn't do it and so he just did it himself which I just think is incredible I think that is just I don't know. That is ballsy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I guess right now we should probably say, and I'm so bad about doing this, so for us, for podcast listeners, my apologies, but since this isn't, like, a new movie out that everyone's heard of, we should probably, like, describe what this movie is about, um, and, like, what the premise is. No.
1: Nope. (laughs) You just have to watch it or move on. Just
0: in case (laughs) someone, someone might be tuning in and has never heard of this movie and, but loves listening to our voices, um the IMDb plot description says a teenage loner pushes his way into the underworld of a high school crime ring to investigate the disappearance of his ex-girlfriend. And so the, the setting of this movie is high school, but the tone of this movie is like 1930s hardboiled detective and all the visual tone, but also the, all of the dialogue is, sounds like it's from a different time and place. Um, and mm-hmm. it's blended with modern for 2005 costumes and high school settings, um, and characters, um, and archetype care and high school archetypes, um, blended with like detective noir archetypes, which is just, yeah. I think very cool. Um, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays our, our lead loner slash main detective. Yeah. So one thing that I loved about this movie kind of touching back on what you said Lucas about the characters thinking they're so cool is how this this movie is almost like a fairy tale in the sense that like you just have to buy in that all of this is real you know what i mean and mm-hmm. the movie like yeah. never like makes you doubt that it's not real that that, that, <laughs> right. that these teenagers are true crime lords that the principal um is like a um police chief and Mm -hmm. that there is a a true class system in the high school that is run by like criminals um and that all these teenagers have like these life or death like, stories and power imbalances hanging in the threads of their school days. Um, Yeah. And the realism that this movie portrays, that this movie, like, makes you really buy into this world is what I love the most about it. That never at a point did I feel like this felt too ridiculous um, or did I feel like one character didn't, like, fit in With the tone or the setting that was being, like, portrayed. And, yeah, I just love that, like, the whole time I'm fully buying, like, yeah, teenage high schoolers, this is definitely happening in this city. Um, Yeah. That commitment, I think, is impressive.
1: Mm -hmm. Which is why I completely understand why nobody wanted to make this movie. Right. (laughs) Like, Like, if you just talk about it, it sounds ridiculous. It sounds like a completely... It sounds like a failure, um, but it works. It completely works. And I think I think you're a hundred percent right. Is is the commitment to hey, we're doing this, we're doing this a hundred percent, and it's gonna feel real. And yet, I do. I keep coming back to this, but I think this is what high school feels like. Right. Like even though nobody is you know doing these things or saying these things, like the feeling that like everything is super serious and like super meaningful and. Like you're re- like everything's intense in high school. And so that's what this feels like. So it all feels like high school, even though it's it's not
0: <laughs> things in high school so. feel like they their life or death. Breaking yeah. into like a new clique does feel like there's all these rules you don't understand and codes of mm-hmm. honor and um, yeah, and systems and connections that you have to try to figure out. If someone isn't around for a while, it does feel like they've gone missing and they're dead. Like, <laughs> yeah. One thing I want to, I, I probably should say about this movie. I, I think one of its faults and one of the reasons why I like it so much is that this movie, I think, is for people who think they're very clever. You know what I mean? Yes. Which I include myself <laughs> in that category. Yes. People yeah. who like. <laughs> Want to watch a movie with the subtitles turned on so that they can catch every single line and understand every like, like, really like um, meticulously crafted wordy joke that this movie has lots of. Yes. Um, Yeah. It's why I like Aaron Sorkin. These are not things I'm bragging about. These are things that like (laughs) this (laughs) is this is not uh, something I'm proud of. Yes. Um. This is really for those kind of people. Mm
1: and i think i think we'll we'll get into this more as we go through the rest of these episodes um but i think that's a ryan johnson like trait totally. i think i think that's very much him and i think most of his movies are like that where it's like oh you're like you're this person who's going to like want to think you're better than everybody else <laughs> well, and smarter than everybody else by catching all of the l- weird little things that i'm i'm going to throw in here and
0: i think that like as we go through his series and we watch him grow as a filmmaker we see in mm-hmm. his like more, re- as he grows and gets bigger and bigger production, how he kind of grows out of that, that that constant need.
1: I think he grows out of the smugness of it. I think he still does it, but for like story reasons. Right. And like real, like good reasons. Sure. Not for the, just because he's smug. Exactly. Yeah, like <laughs> so, I'm super smart. Um, Let me show off
0: how smart I am. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So you just get done with his new movies and you're like, oh, he's just super smart. <laughs> right.
0: Absol- a- absolutely. So. Uh, but yeah. So let me tell you, there's sometimes it's so fun to relish in someone being super smart. Um, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's fun. It's entertaining. And the script mm-hmm. and the way the actors commit to this script is the best part of, is the best thing about this movie. Yeah. Um, All of the I, I think the movie does a lot visually that I think is very cool. But like the star of this movie is this script.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The all, all the weird vernacular, all of the, you know, the mumbling, the, you know, the quick back and forth between these characters. Mm-hmm. I think that is what people really love about this movie <laughs> is just how um, how engaging it is. It's just immediately you're just drawn into, OK, what are they saying? What are they talking about? What's going on? Yeah.
0: And how the movie, oh. I think, at sometimes is really good at this and sometimes really bad, but how it uses context clues to, like, help the audience Start learning the vernacular. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. if you had yeah. never watched a, a 1930s noir movie or if you never read any of those kind of books and you have no idea what all these like nicknames and phrases mean, um, certain scenes do a good job of like cluing you in um, via mm-hmm. where with the conver- the way the conversations unfold. Um, not every scene is good at that, and you know, but a lot of them are. And that I think it's like, that's a talent. That's a skill that you have to have.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about the cast. Let's go, let's, yes, let's go through this. Absolutely. So we've got Joseph Gordon-Levitz as our lonely detective. Um, I think he's great. I love him. He's um, very good in this I, movie. I, he is. He's very good. I expected there to be more people in this movie that went on to bigger thing, to be bigger things. And I mean, they're, they're like recognizable people in this movie, but I, 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 do think for a lot of people this is their big <laughs> their big thing um which i was kind of surprised by for some reason i don't know why i thought that but we do have emily de raven raven emily DeRaven, as the you know his girlfriend his ex-girlfriend emily um who she was on lost and everything like that but i'd forgotten that she was she was in this and i think she does a really good job i think i mean for as little as she's in this movie um I think this will come back to everybody, but I think everybody did a great, yeah. a great job. I expected this to feel like a high school production movie, like just something or like a college short film kind of situation. But, um that, you know, it's like great, great script, great movie. The actors are. Yeah. You know, um, um, but I think the standout for me is Lucas Haas. Yes. Just baby Lucas Haas. as <laughs> <That's> the pin. <laughs> yeah.
0: Which oh. I love, the, oh, the, I love, love the, you know, this movie does get to be funny every now and then. It's definitely not a comedy, mm-hmm. but there is moments of wit when they're talking about the pin. He says, I don't know, some really old guy, like 26. Yeah.
1: Amazing <laughs> <Yes>. joke.
0: <laughs> I think my favorite performance in the whole film, and probably because I'm partial to these types of characters, but is Matt O'Leary playing Brain. Brain.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah,
0: That performance really, really works for me. And that's, I mean, I think everyone's pretty good about this, but um, him particularly, he feels like he's playing that high school archetype in a noir setting and not a noir archetype in a high school setting. You know what I mean? The Laura character um, is like a noir femme fatale in a high school. She doesn't read as like a high school popular girl to me. Um, no, no. <laughs> whereas the brain does read as like that kid in high school. Who's like the nerdy sidekick who knows everyone, um, knows everything about everyone. And then you put him in a noir setting uh, that really worked mm-hmm. for me. And his performance yeah. was great. Megan good is in this. Um, she, I. I feel like as far as like people who kind of like had, um, Some credits under their belt before this movie started that like we would recognize Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Megan Good and Nora Zetner um, are the ones that stood out to me at least. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't
1: think I'd I think at the time I'd seen Joseph Gordon-Levitt's and stuff. I don't think I'd seen anybody else when I first watched this movie.
0: There's no S at the end of Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Correct. Okay. Joseph Gordon-Levitt.
1: Singular. He's only one person. (laughs)
0: Yeah. No, when when there's more of them, we'll let you know. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <Thanks>.
1: <laughs> oh man um yeah but i yeah so i i think like going through this time and i don't think like like i said before like i don't think most of these people have gone on to have like big careers um but i think that i don't know i expect i think because these all these people make such a big impact in this movie i felt like they would be you know bigger people and obviously like they're all still acting like sure. Lucas Haas is in a lot of, a lot of stuff. Definitely. Like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's is huge. Singular Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> only, only the first why. one is, is why, huge. The others haven't caught that? up yet. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
1: The rest of the Joseph Gordon-Levitt's uh, not great. It's a clone, I think is what it Is yeah. it's, it's, he's is. He's got clones. Gotcha. So.
0: Um, yeah, no, uh. but you do watch this movie and you think that it would be um, like a short term 12, like a movie that launched a thousand careers or like a dazed and confused
1: exactly but it's not
0: no
1: um i would love for him to bring some of these people back though like in some of his other movies. totally i mean that's that's just wishful thinking at this point but um i just think they all work really well together and it like like you feel like these people are friends all at school like together like or not friends as sometimes enemies but like this it like it feels it feels real yeah so
0: I would love to see I mean he works with he puts Noah Segan and Joseph Gordon Levitt in all of mm-hmm. his movies, even if they're small just small yeah. roles. Um yep. I would love to see Lucas Haas in another Ryan Johnson flick.
1: I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um he, he gets a cameo in I think Brothers Blue. Okay. Um, but that might be it. Yeah. But.
0: Um there's a lot that I want to talk about in spoilers. So is there anything yeah. That you need to get out before we move on to spoilers. No.
1: Let's let's jump right in. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's gonna happen. Now, crack and gas.
0: Spoilers!
1: Remember, you wanted this.
0: Can I just say this is not really related to the plot? It's just a detail in the movie <laughs> that this is what like really captured me when I was watching it in college. Um something I had never seen before that I thought was just like edgy and rad. Um, and it's a small detail, but the character of Kara or Kara that was played by Megan good. Um, Uh and how she's supposed to just be like this, like man eater, um, in the high school theater department of which I was also in the high school theater department. Um, really like stood out to me and the fact that in multiple scenes she has like freshman boys just appearing from under her legs (laughs) was like jaw for me in college was like very jaw-dropping oh my god this is so cool and edgy like that visual that gag has stuck with me in a very significant way um And I just like, (laughs) I love it. And it's, and it is kind of the thing that like most movie and TV shows, other than like maybe Sex in the City, would not like go for that to show like that this is a woman who like, eats boys mm-hmm. and spits them out
1: yeah i just don't thought think it was
0: rad I, just wanted to bring that up
1: no yeah i don't think i noticed that the first time at all I, I i i think the first time i watched this movie i definitely bumped on her character a little bit of just like what is she who is she yeah. just because i don't think i knew anybody like that sure. at, in high school no we certainly um, did <laughs> <laughs> and so but now like in hindsight i'm like oh yeah that's a great character she's a lot of fun yeah <laughs> as
0: much as i love this movie and no. i love like i said that gag with that character um watching Mm -hmm. this now as more of a grown woman um i (laughs) grown ass yeah compared to like 20 year old me who is like still basically a child um i (laughs) was really thrown by this movie's treatment of women or like it's depiction of women um i'm not i'm not angry at it but i do notice like oh so there are only three women in the movie women in the movie and neither and not any of them are portrayed in like a particularly positive light oh yeah for fairness most of the characters in this movie are also not portrayed in a positive light except for our hero and his friend and you know yeah um but i didn't love that and I really didn't love the use of, like, the dead girl trope and also especially, like, oh, and she's also a pregnant dead girl that, like, our mm-hmm. main character yeah. has, and not only our main character, but, like, three different male characters have are worked up <laughs> and all of their motivations and feelings are about, like, not just her being alive or dead, but, like, them being the father of her you know unborn child yeah so yeah not that seems like something that like a young man not really understanding what that means for like the way women are portrayed just kind of writing into a movie because it's easy and it's dramatic and yeah it seems like something that and
1: someone who wants to recreate basically a Hammett book like that is like (laughs) sure that comes up in a lot of his books yeah <laughs> the dead girl who's pregnant oh, God, so gross. yeah it's <laughs> the 1930s uh surprisingly not very great at dealing with no, women <laughs> I, I guess
0: not. <laughs> um, so that seems something like i i can see that ryan johnson probably has grown out of um it hasn't that's not a that's it not a trope like that has reappeared <laughs> in any of his other films um but it was one that when I was 20 and I watched it, didn't notice, didn't have any problems with it. And now that I'm 30, it's just like, oh, that's gross and kind of an issue that I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amongst a movie yeah, that I, I definitely really think do that's,
1: like. I think it's another one of the reasons that like, to me, this movie isn't like a classic masterpiece or anything like that. I think there's so many, like, great, interesting things about it. But at the end of the day, it's not like, oh, I love this movie. It's like, because there are so many things about it that I'm like, ah, oh, this is a little, uh I don't know if I can fully enjoy it when I watch it because of a lot of these elements. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that are fun and that I really do love about it. But you're right. You just, you bump on some of these sure. things. Um,
0: yeah. Can we talk about, another thing I want to talk about is something that i You know, as we watch these, I think we're going to, like, start noticing things from, like, Knives Out or Star Wars or other movies that he's made recently that we're seeing as, like, oh, maybe an early calling card, you know, that he kind of had at the Mm -hmm. beginning. So one of them is the fact that the movie kind of starts with the dead body. And then we... Mm -hmm. Then, like, he's on a hunt to find her. You know what I mean? And then he finds yeah. her. Like, she's alive. And mm-hmm. that mystery, like, is solved within the first, like, 15 or 20 minutes of the movie. And then we find out that she's dead. And then the, the mystery starts anew. You know what I mean? Now we have to figure out yeah. who killed her yeah. not just find her. Um, And so that yeah. reminded me of Knives Out a lot. Where, like, you think the mystery is going to be... Who killed him? And then at the very beginning, you're like, "Oh well, we figured that out, and now we have to figure out a whole new mystery, um, or a whole mm-hmm. new like plot course." Uh, so that 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 was cool. Yeah. That that like shift that from just a standard like who done it.
1: Yeah, I'll be interested to see kind of if a lot of that plays through in the other movies as we rewatch right. them. Um, but I definitely think he does a really good job of like introducing and setting up, um his characters Mm -hmm. through some kind of mystery or quest or some, you know, something, um, before getting into the actual, like, what is this movie about? Um, I think he uses some kind of mystery or plot point like that to introduce everybody, um, without it feeling like, all right, we got to go through and like meet everyone and figure out who these characters are. Like it, it it really feels like it's, he's doing it with purpose, um, in this movie and knives out and we'll see how it goes uh, along the rest of the trail.
0: Um, what are, are there any other? Uh, what are some of the plot points that you particularly wanted to talk about?
1: Um, I think for me, the um, everything about the house <laughs> that uh, the what's uh, the the drug house? I don't yeah. know where yeah. where where Headquarters. The, the, the pin lives. Yeah. Yeah. The headquarters. Um, everything about that house to me was just very funny. Yeah. Um, how you have like this basement den um, with just basically a desk and a chair and like a lamp and a plant or something <laughs> like um, that. This is this like 26 year old drug dealers uh, place with his cape and his his uh, cane. Yeah. Um And completely over the top and then you have this other basement room with like this mirror and the light coming in and broken lamps. yeah the broken yeah it's just it's so weird and so funny like i, I just kept laughing every time i saw it just because like this is so um extra like everything about it was just a lot and then the scene where they're you know they're having the conversation and he's eating cereal and um lucas haas has a cookie and his mom is like pouring them juice and like it's everything about that house is just so funny and thinking of like the life that that kid leads
0: i think like where you interpreted that as like oh these people these kids aren't as cool as they think they are um i kind of interpreted it as like oh these parents are so oblivious to this whole underworld you know what i mean that like
1: i think i yeah parents
0: just like operate i definitely and i definitely took it that way to too school, and in reality there's this whole world they know nothing about that kids are operating yeah. on. yeah
1: I, I i think that's the interpretation that works for the movie yeah. i just think in also in reality like this happens like you have kids sitting around doing very serious stuff and parents just there just sure. being like you know oh whatever (laughs) you do your little weird little stuff but but i do think yeah in in the actual story of the movie it's oblivious parents 100 (laughs) percent. yeah but it's it it, either way it's very funny to watch
0: my favorite of Um, the quirky um pin home decor like sets is when they show up in the red van and the it's like an empty van and the pen is sitting in a chair and there's a lamp just like Lamp <laughs> in the van, obviously not being used, but just yeah. like the van needed some yeah. decor. And so they just have like a lamp. Yeah, that was very funny.
1: Yes. And he just drives around in a circle in the parking right. lot and then drops. Them back
0: I, I also loved that. I think yeah. that like um I read that that particular house and I don't know if they meant the outside or the, the exterior or the interior, but they were having trouble finding a house like houses to film in. And that Mm -hmm. was a house that was about to be demolished. So they had like a a certain amount of days before the house was going to get demolished. So it seems like it was probably like an empty house that they just like brought a few (laughs) random set pieces in and made it look mysterious. Um, Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There are certain shots that like really, I think are iconic to this movie that, I just kind of want to call out. I think the most iconic is the one that's on the cover, which is the the hand, the hand in the water with the br- blue bracelets. Yeah. To have, I-, I love like when people have like iconic costuming and to use mm-hmm. like those br- blue bracelets as like a through point for that character. So that when we see a note being put in the locker and the blue bracelets, we know it's her. When we see, yeah. um, the dead body, we know it's her when we see them having an argument and a flashback and she's wearing like completely different clothes. She's still wearing those, bra- those bracelets. And, um, mm-hmm. those are like very simple movie tricks that I am definitely a sucker for. Definitely. I also really adored the shot where Brendan goes into Kara's dressing room and is like Matt really mad at her. And he throws something at the mirror and the mirror shatters and there's this really iconic <laughs> moment of, like, the broken mirror kind of being like a halo backdrop against her. as She raises her head back up. Yeah. Just like, Mwah, chef's kiss. Great, good stuff. Yeah. Give me more of it.
1: Yeah. That's I, like I think you I think you can see how good of a filmmaker he is. Like, obviously, this is early work. Obviously, this is cheap work. Right. Um, but there, you've got a lot of these like really good storytelling camera techniques as well as just really beautiful shots Like yeah. <laughs> in a movie like this. Yeah, I'm yeah, so you I was going to move on to Brothers Bloom, but we we'll I keep haven't talking seen about Brothers this, but Bloom. You, you, so don't spoil seen that it. for me. You haven't. Yeah, se- I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I'm very excited for you to see me it. Too. Um. Because obviously it's a it's his first studio film. It's a higher budget, that kind of stuff. Um, and so, like, seeing what he what he what he going from from this very low budget to a normally budgeted movie, I yeah. guess. <laughs>
0: um,
1: um, yeah. With real movie See, stars, yeah. right? Right? Exactly. So yeah. And like only like three years later. Sure.
0: So. I'm trying to think of something else that like there was one more thing that I really wanted to discuss. Yeah. Um. Oh, I'm blanking on it. Um, I guess we should probably talk about the big reveal at the end. Oh, I remember what it was. Hold on. Before we get to the big reveal. Another thing I really loved about like this movie is the way the Brendan character keeps getting beat up like throughout the movie and how by the (laughs) end, like we're really starting to see that wear and tear on him, that it's not like someone gets punched and then like they're completely fine and, you know, just like it never happened. Mm -hmm. Like... He is willing to let himself get, like, really badly beat. But then as the movie progresses, we see him, like, being dizzy and, like, not having full control of his faculties. And he's swallowing blood and, um, like, he's losing it physically. And I like when people... I like when violence is shown... To, like, truly yeah. have yeah. the effects of feel, the violence. You know what yeah. I mean?
1: I feel like that's another noir trope of just the detective constantly getting beat up and, and like, getting in worse and worse shape as the movie goes yeah. along. till finally it's just, like, they did it. They can go home and just rest right. now. Right.
0: <laughs> so, um, which yeah. makes that scene of him and Laura in bed together, like, really impactful because you can you Mm -hmm. as the audience feel how exhausted he is and how like worn down he's like seen multiple people murdered at this point he like he's been just traumatized amongst and also physically traumatized and so when she kind of like has him in her clutches you feel the exhaustion and like the willingness to just like Mm -hmm. go along with this moment, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so that I think leads to, we should talk about like the final scene, the final reveal at the end of the movie,
1: which I don't, I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like the end. I I feel like so much happens on this football field. There's so many just confrontations in the middle of this football field. Um, but like them, like him, I, I, I hate it when people shake each other in movies and there's just this is just, just like him just like constantly just like holding on to her and like shaking her and like um again I feel like it's it's very much a trope but of just like like this is what happened this is how this is what you did you're the person behind it all blah blah blah, blah, blah. Yeah. and then I I I, th- I think like it's an interesting reveal of like that you know what, what she says but at that, that point I feel like the plot has twisted and turned so much that at that point you don't really care mm. uh, you know about 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 the end of it, about, like, her... About, about the baby being his, I guess. I don't know. That's how I well, feel.
0: Well, the baby being his, you know that I don't like that whole plot aspect. But the rest of it, the rest of, like, us finding out that, like, she's the one behind everything, really. Behind not only Emily getting, you know, put in the crossfires, but behind mm-hmm. all the deaths that just happened at that meeting, behind... Yeah. Like, Dode behind Tug, you know, like, she's, like, pulling all the strings, essentially, um, for her own personal game. And I do like the way that that's spelled out because um, normally, you know, like, there's this, the trope of, like, I'm the detective and I'm going to tell you how the mystery is solved now at the end of the movie kind of thing. And that happens. And the way that I like the way it's played out in this movie is she throughout the film has been putting on this, like she's definitely been using her like feminine wiles to try to um, get Brendan to, you know, be on her side or protect her, or feel sympathy for her. She uses like her voice in a very specific way that he is aware of throughout multiple times in the film. He's like, Oh, now I know you're really trouble whenever she tries to like pull that with him because he sees how smart she is. And, So she's doing that in that scene, and she's like, I don't know, like, tell me. And he sees through that, but he also, like, throughout the movie, the thing that, like, is being said about him is, like, he's a smart guy. Like, everyone recognizes how smart he is, and he kind of shows off how smart he is amongst people. And so he's playing into his own character of, like, I'm still just going to, like, I'm gonna be so smart that I'm gonna tell you, show you how I've outsmarted you, and lay out the whole story, and lay out how I caught you, and lay out how you're about to like get into trouble. Um. So I like the way like their personalities are like clashing in that scene. Mm-hmm. I don't like the again the trope of him like grabbing the back of her hair and like holding her in place in yeah. that very right. specific <laughs> way. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I like the way that I like the idea of I do like the twist of it was her the whole time. And I like the way that this movie, as she keeps like following him, is about him like knowing he can't trust her, um, but still working with her anyway. And um, just like their personalities like flowing and clashing with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I like them together. I like like everything that they do together in this movie. Yeah. I just think that ending for me was just like, ugh, gosh, we're doing this. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so. Sure. But overall, I really like this movie. I think it's I think I think it's good. Um, and especially as a first feature.
0: Totally. Totally totally. Um, yeah. This is yeah, this is the kind of movie that I'm probably going to watch a few more times like throughout my life. I'm going to I, I can see myself mm-hmm. revisiting it.
1: This movie made uh, it was made for four hundred fifty thousand dollars and it made three point nine million worldwide. Great. Which is, I think, pretty impressive. Totally. Um, so I am very excited to to see what he does next with uh, the Brothers Bloom.
0: Me too. So our next episode will be about the Brothers Bloom. Um, we'll also, as always, talk about what we're feeling And in the meantime, as we're all quarantined, it's now more than ever important for you to follow us on social media. Because I can't speak for Lucas, but I plan on doing a lot of, like, recommending things that I'm watching on Instagram and on Letterboxd. Um, Also, Letterboxd is a useful, useful tool during quarantine if you're trying to find good movies (laughs) to watch. So... Lucas, yes. where can we find you on all of those social platforms?
1: You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. Again, talking about all of the ridiculous things that have to do with quarantine.
0: Yes, and you can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Onstutz. My last name is spelled A M S T U T Z. Thanks for listening. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go
1: away. I'll see you soon, okay?
0: That's it? Go home? Yep. Yeah. Move it along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people.